The future of 800,000 immigrants rests in the hands of a divided Congress. Lawmakers face deadlines to take action. So what's our job? Our job is to monitor the progress of potential DACA legislation as the deadlines come closer, while diving deeper into the issues of deferred deportation and illegal immigration. You're listening to an In Focus special report podcast, Deadline DACA. I'm Andrew Nicola. And I'm Adrian St. Clair. Welcome to the show. In this episode, we'll hear from DACA recipients from Brazil, China, and Korea. Together, those groups make up about 3% of DACA beneficiaries. But first, let's catch you up with what's been happening on the Hill. Since our last show, discussions surrounding immigration reform, the DREAM Act, and other DACA replacements have continued. While we haven't seen many legislative shifts, activists continue to raise their voices. Last week, we went to probably one of the largest rallies we've seen during our time here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh, totally. I don't think um, either of us really knew like, what we were getting into like, when we first heard about the event. Yeah, I definitely had no idea. It was raucous and enthusiastic. Over 1,000 DACA recipients and protesters took to the streets of Washington and called on Congress to pass a clean dream act. This scene was pretty incredible to see so many people passionately united for a cause. If you've never been in the Hart Building, which I hadn't until I reported in D.C., the Hart Building has an enormous atrium, and all the levels face the inside, and so they all look down on the center of the building. And so if you can imagine, over a thousand dreamers filled the inside of the atrium, and they lined every floor of the building. The dreamers had hung a huge banner from one of the floors, and their cheers and chants echoed off the marble walls, amplifying their voices. I don't know how anyone could get any work done. So at the protest, about 15 people got arrested, including one student from Arizona State University. Then, after they left the Hart Building, the group marched all around Capitol Hill. It was really tough to keep up with them. I was running after and chasing them with my camera, but it was tough. So it was a handful of groups that organized the event. It was mostly United We Dream's effort, um, along with the Arizona Dream Act Coalition and Promise Arizona. And uh, you actually met a couple DACA recipients there, right? Yes, I did. As protesters filed out of the Hart Building, I caught up with Bruna Buhid, who was one of the organizers from United We Dream. I grew up in Florida. I was born in Brazil, and I'm also a DACA recipient myself. Bruna's among thousands of DACA recipients who aren't from Mexico. United We Dream has over 400,000 members, so we have a variety of people from all over the world. You know, we there's a huge um, population of DACA recipients that are from Asian countries. There's one of our members that's from India. And so DACA really benefited um, a lot of people, not just people um, who migrated here from Mexico. She noted how the prevalence of Mexican DACA recipients can blind people to the fact that there are DACA recipients from countries all over the world. What you saw today was just uh, people from all over, people from across the country, um, from all different types of nationalities who came together to demand a Clean Dream Act. Because the Dream Act wouldn't just protect, you know, like you said, Mexican immigrants. It would protect almost two million um, undocumented young people. So that brings us to the topic of this podcast, which is examining the issue of race and the diverse populations that are covered under DACA, because a lot of people seem to think that it's just a Latino issue, and for the most part, they're right. So Mexicans account for about 79% of the DACA population, and Latin Americans account for another 16% of the 800,000 DACA recipients. So I talked with Petra Falcone about this issue. She's the executive director of Promise Arizona, and that's a Latino advocacy organization. She said we shouldn't ignore the other nationalities that are covered under DACA, 
and she remarked how much she's seen groups come together after the Trump administration's decision to end DACA on September 5th. All of the groups, whether the Asian groups, refugee groups, immigrant groups, are all coming together and, and quite frankly, understanding that this is a, a difficult, difficult time and, and that we've got to put uh, our energy towards one goal, and the goal is to be able to make sure that everyone, everyone uh, entitled to to what our democracy offers the best, which which is which is our, our our freedom. So Petra pointed out that the distrust of immigrants has evolved. With 9/11, the whole the world changed. The the whole profile of how to look at anybody who was a person of color or from a foreign country uh, was becoming viewed as as a threat to the United States. That's what we really are are dealing with. Is that rhetoric that started happening? Uh, uh, with with uh, against immigrants, with when 9/11 hit, uh, so this has been something that has been growing. Uh, yes, I think the push for comprehensive immigration reform has uh, has brought to light who immigrants are, and the majority of immigrants are going to be Mexican. They always have been, but we also know that the next largest population are Asians. So it's 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 not just Mexican anymore. But of course, we've got to see anybody that's a person of color uh, that is being targeted. And we've seen that over and over again. But Petro didn't go as far as to say the opposition against DACA, young immigrants and their families, is racially motivated. But then at the rally, I talked to two different DACA recipients from Mexico, both students at Arizona State University, who feel the fight against DACA is definitely about race. Jocelyn Lopez is a native from Jalisco, Mexico. She lives in Arizona now and is in the Barrett Honors College at ASU studying biomedical sciences. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm hoping to go to medical school to become a colorectal or gastrointestinal surgeon. Jocelyn thinks DACA might have been resolved faster if it affected different groups of people. This is definitely, in my opinion, a race issue. Why is it that for us it's taken forever to come up with a permanent solution, but I'm pretty sure if it was the other way around, there would have been a faster solution for them. I also talked to Orlando Monzo, who came to Arizona from Sonora, Mexico. I am a DACA recipient and I have been DACA recipient since day one. He's actually studying sports journalism at ASU's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. So he was patient with me when I interviewed him as we walked, which is why we may sound out of breath. So what's your favorite sport? Soccer. Soccer? Yeah. Football, I guess we should football, say. Yeah. <laughs> Soccer, and then I, I love baseball and football. Orlando also said the DACA is about race. He thinks the current administration has a lot to do with it. I definitely think it's a race issue uh, because we have seen it with the Trump administration that they target uh, people of color. So I definitely think it's a race issue. And all the comments that Trump has said about Mexicans and other people from uh, Middle East. So it is definitely a race issue because because he has not he has not targeted any Europeans. He has targeted Mexicans, immigrants, and Middle Middle East people. So yeah, it is definitely a race issue. So what about DACA recipients who aren't from Mexico? While the majority of DACA recipients are from Mexico, there are still many recipients from all over the world. I've met actually a lot from. Korea, Japan, Argentina. It's not just Mexico, it's all over the place. That was Jocelyn again. And a few weeks ago, I met Raina Montoya, who was in Washington for another DACA rally and who works with a DACA advocacy group in Arizona. Yeah, we have had, I have worked in the past with a dreamer from Poland. Um, 
So she, we actually helped her um, with her kid. Her mom was going through an asylum case, so she got a removal order. So that's kind of how we really got into interacting with her. But because we are in Arizona, the predominantly majority of DACA recipients and dreamers are from Mexico. There are Mexican dreamers who feel this is about race, but how do DACA recipients from other countries feel? That's what I was wondering. So I tracked down a couple DACA recipients and asked them that same question. The first person I spoke with was Young Ben Cho. Young Ben is from South Korea. He came to the country when he was just six. He works with a group called Nakasak, a Korean American advocacy organization. So there are 7,310 DACA recipients from Korea who make up about 1% of the 800,000. And people from Asian countries in total account for about 3% of the entire DACA population. Youngbin said it's important for him to advocate because not enough people in his community do so. I think not a lot of Asian Americans, I think, speak out publicly. So I guess I'm just one person who could maybe uh, put my voice out there for everyone to hear. I mean, I think in general, just after uh, Hispanics, I think Koreans are the top category, I guess, for people who who uh, have DACA and I guess who could get DACA. So there's people like Bruna and Eric Ruiz who are DACA recipients from Brazil. Ruiz came to the country when he was nine. He enlisted in the army and is waiting to go to basic training. He traveled to Washington with a national immigration forum to help shed light on the benefits immigrants bring to the military. He said although Brazilians, as he put it, are a minority in a minority, he doesn't feel like he's left out of the conversation because they're struggling right along with Mexicans. I really do see that we are a, a small uh, portion of the whole group. Um, but as far as getting overshadowed, not really, because everybody that's a DACA, it's, it's on the same boat, actually. You know, we're all struggling and, and trying to make our voices heard so something can be done in a more permanent level in D.C., you know. So we're all part of the same boat, just trying to make something better happen. I asked Eric if he thought people like him weren't being represented well enough and if race plays a part in this conversation. He had a different take. He felt that race had little to do with it and that the problem, in his view, was misinformation and uninformed opinions that foster ignorance and anger around the topic. And he partially blamed us, the media, for this. The way media portrays the issue, he says, causes politicians to be cautious when signing on to a piece of legislation like the DREAM Act, because if they do, they fear angering the people that they represent. I think that misunderstanding is the reason why politicians aren't taking uh, taking a stance on it because a lot of their voters are misinformed. And you know, this day and age, God forbid you disagree with somebody. So I don't think racism uh, has has a lot to do with it. Some of it, yes, I, I do believe so. I mean, the reason I think that racism is uh, is portrayed in the general media. Uh, racism is is made out to be this big reason why DACA isn't moving forward. I just simply think, think that it's because uh, the negative stuff always make good headlines. You know, I don't think it's it's racism is not a big part of it. Like again, I think it's misinformation. I also caught up with Liz Dong, a DACA recipient and activist originally from China. Liz works with the National Immigration Forum. She is one of 740 Chinese DACA recipients, which is about 0.1% of the entire DACA population. Liz came to the country with her mom when she was 10. Liz agrees with Eric. She sees DACA as a human issue that has become highly politicized, but she doesn't feel forgotten as a Chinese immigrant. In fact, she came to the defense of the DACA recipients from Mexico and said that this issue has been their burden to bear from the very beginning. And she applauded them for what they've done to raise awareness for the community. I almost feel like 
the burden of this issue have largely fallen on the shoulders of our Latino brothers and sisters that have been carrying the weight um, in, in advocating for policies um, that affect them, but that's, that also affects um, you know, a large group of us who are, who are non-Hispanic. What hinders her community from speaking up, Liz said, is cultural issues, but she hopes to see more people like young Ben speak out. Coming from a culture where a lot of these issues aren't talked about, um, where it's kind of hush-hush uh, within Asian American communities, yes, in a sense that, yes, our voices aren't highlighted, but I, I think that there's also some cultural elements or family elements that are holding us back. And I wish, I actually wish to see more Asian Americans or um, individuals, streamers, undocumented immigrants from other ethnic groups speaking up and, and helping us, helping people see that this is an issue that affects uh, a broader swath of, of people coming from all over the country. She sees the topic of immigration in a different light and probably a bit more optimistic than most. Immigration is an issue that um, that really brings people together because we all have stakes in this and affects the community in which we live and serve. Um, so I think contrary to maybe some of the misconception that immigration is a divisive issue, um, I see it as something that brings us together. Okay, so there's something we forgot to tell you. The DACA rally came after a dozen Republicans held a press conference calling for a compromise on a legislative solution to the DREAM Act, which would probably not include a DREAM Act as these activists envision. In our next episode, we'll look at why some might not be so keen on DACA legislation or a DREAM Act that recipients keep coming to DC to fight for. Until next time, the clock is ticking on deadline DACA. The music in this episode is by Roddy Nickpour. Special thanks to Cronkite News and Arizona PBS. 